Hello, guys. Welcome in for Checking TV, another episode here. Joining us today, a new member of the show, Mr. Peyton Trollinger. What's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm happy to be on the show. Uh, it's my first time being on for Checking TV. I'm super excited. All right. Well, we're excited to have you here, as always. Doug and Scotty joining me over there on the left. And uh, so let's get into it, guys. Um, let's talk about everything, what we're going to go through. We know we're talking about the pens. We're going to get to that towards the end of the ch- most of the show, but uh, since we're all from Pittsburgh, but let's touch on some of the other ones too. Um, but before that, let's just get started. Let's, uh, I think Doug's dying to say something. <laughs> He's the way he looks. Like, just say what you want, Doug. <laughs> all right. Well, I know we're waiting for the pen segment because we might have a special guest coming on, but I just want to get it out of my system. Fuck Matt Martin. Fuck Kyle Clutterbuck. Trying to be important whenever they're not even NHL quality players. And while I'm at it, fuck Leo Komarov too. Yes, sir. That's a great way to start it. <laughs> All right. Um, well, to start it, since I said we'll talk about that, let's start. Let's uh, start with the. Um, let's start with the series, different ones. Let's talk about it. Um, Colorado, St. Louis. They're up two. Colorado's up two zero in it. Um, let's talk about this one. Colorado's been playing great. St. Louis. We thought, we we mentioned with O'Reilly who came out that we're gonna have we're gonna have some fun and we're gonna beat them. Uh, that's not the way it's looked so far. So. Right back at you, O'Reilly. It's in your face. Um, so, because Colorado's stomping you right now. Uh, anybody want to add on that series before we move to the next one? I'm not going to lie. Like, the Blues are definitely a good team. But Colorado's just whooping them right now. Like, that that team is just so good. And I don't know if they're going to sweep them. But. It's going to – I think Colorado's definitely taking that series. I don't think – O'Reilly definitely is not right about that at all. That's literally a super team you're talking about. Yeah, you gotta literally, give literally on crack. Yeah, you got to give props to Ryan O'Reilly for just trying to be a good leader, who, by the way, has not showed up at all in the first two games. No points <laughs> with the dash six. That's a tough look for the captain right there. But – um. No, Peyton, you, you hit the nail on the head pretty much with the fact that Colorado is an absolute unit of a team right now. Uh, Nathan McKinnon is one of those guys who's just a playoff performer. He steps up whenever it's big, and you're seeing it right now. He's got seven points through the first two games. We're just getting started, and he's already starting to light up the score sheet again. Landis Cog's doing his thing as well. Miko Rantan's been playing solid. Everyone's doing what they need to do. Uh, I know there were some questions with, in the net with Grubauer, he has been money so far for the Avalanche as well. They've been doing what uh, they need to do. And unfortunately for the Blues, they have not had much going for them at all. I mean, their big guys just aren't really there. You know, Tarasenko, I know he's coming back from injury and whatnot, but he hasn't really helped out. Like I said, O'Reilly hasn't been uh, really doing his thing either. And uh, Bennington is doing his best right in, in the crease right now, but it's just not working. And I Saw something on uh, on Instagram today. It said that the Blues now only have a 3% chance of making it out of the first round. So take with that what you will. But, yeah, this, this Colorado team is just too good. I mean, they have so many uh, weapons at their disposal. It's, it's, honestly, it's honestly laughable just how good they are. You know what I mean? So you got to give credit where credit's due. And don't be surprised if that's one of the teams that makes a very deep push here in the postseason. Well, and one thing about, like, Grubauer you mentioned is he's playing some really good hockey right now. Like, he he just is not letting things face him. He he was, like – he reminded me of Jordan Bennington, like, when they won the Cup. Now it's like the roles are reversed. Bennington is just letting everything in. He's definitely nervous now. <laughs> and Grubauer's just chilling. Yeah. He's chilling, he's doing his thing, and he knows his team is really good. So, you know, he has a really good uh, offense and defense in front of him. So, we're letting him do the work, and Bennington just can't do anything about it. He's just risen to the occasion, honestly, because you th- remember they, they brought in Dumnik at the deadline, kind of like as, you know, he's like as the safety net, I guess, for Grubauer. forgot about that. <laughs> exactly. You, you forget about those things because, oh, he has been playing that well. They got Devin Dumnik sitting on the bench right just now. chilling on the bench. Exactly. So, Devin Dubnik, just old, old ass Devin Dubnik, just chilling on the bench. Dubnik's been handling business right now. So, good, so kudos to him, man. Good to see. Never forget where we were whenever we found out the Avs traded for Devin Dubnik. <laughs> we were here. <laughs> what a time that was! Yeah, we were all like, "Oh my god, wild times." 
But yeah, this team's abnormally deep. Obviously, Nazem Kadri's going to get suspended again because he killed someone again. But I'll tell you what, guys, they're going to be just fine. I know you guys, I know maybe you guys might know about this guy, you might not, but Alex Newhook is currently on uh, the Avs fourth line. I think he's going to go right into that second line role, playing with Donskoy and Burakovsky, and kids just going to light it up. Also, this defense. Let's talk about this defense. This is the best defense on paper I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, love this defense. You got Devin Taves and Kale McCarr, Ryan Graves and Sam Girard. And then your third pairing is Patrick Nemeth and Connor Timmons. And there is good case that whenever Bone Byram gets healthy dealing with whatever he's currently dealing with, that third pairing is going to be Bone Byram and Connor Timmons. So you have your two top defensive prospects playing third pairing minutes in a deep playoff run for your team. And you're going to have your top 10 draft pick in Alex Newhook or your top 20 draft pick in Alex Newhook playing consistent, big top nine minutes for you down the stretch because of Nazem Kadri getting suspended inevitably. So I really like this team. You know, I think you guys know that uh, this team's probably like outside of the pens. This team's like one of my side pieces. I love them. I love watching them play. Um, Pavel France or uh, Philip Grubauer has been fantastic. And which is great for um, a time where there was a debate whether it would be him or Dubnik in that. And right now, Philip Grubauer is making it seem like it's a no-brainer. Great. All right, let's move to the next one. Um, just finish out the West. And this is Vegas and Minnesota. Um, all these games are exciting to watch. Last night, I thought Minnesota had it. Not the case. Vegas come, making a comeback. They're winning that one five, five to two last night. Um, they lead the series two to one over the Minnesota Wild. Um, Vegas has been playing phenomenal. Um, so let's 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 get into talking about this one. I'm not gonna lie. Like I really want Minnesota to win this series. I the, really the do. Underdog. I think that'd be the I think that'd be the funniest shit ever. Like um, I was actually talking to Doug today, and he reminded me that Derek wait not Derek Broussard, Nick Bukestad is uh, centering Kaprizov, and I completely forgot about that. I just think that's so funny. But I mean, even though I really want the Wild to win this series, Vegas just has a lot of weapons, and you can't deny that at all. Marc Andre Fleury is just playing out of his mind, you know. Uh, they're getting contributions everywhere, offense and defense, and they just out they outplayed Minnesota. They wanted it more. And if Minnesota wants to get back in the series, then they gotta want it more. You'd think they'd want it more because they have been a complete joke these past few years in the playoffs. Absolute trash. Now they're actually good. So I guess we'll see how they do against Vegas. The thing that they need right now is uh, more from their main guys. You know, Joel Erickson Eck has been doing great offensively. Other than that, it's kind of sputtered to, to a bit. You know, everyone was talking about how great Kirill Kaprizov has been in the early going. He only has one assist so far through the first three games. And Matt Zuccarello doesn't have a point yet either. They brought that guy in. They brought him in. And, you know, he hasn't really showed up for them either. Mm-hmm. You know, Ken Talbot can't be the guy to carry him. You know, Ken Talbot's kind of turned the clock back to 2017, back whenever he was stopping everything in Edmonton. Now he's trying to do it again here in Minnesota. But against a team like Vegas, it's just not going to happen. Eventually, you know, things are going to – something's going to give, and that's exactly what's happened. Vegas has absolutely dom- – has been very dominant, you could say. I think last night the shots were only – I think Minnesota only put 16 shots on net last night. I could be wrong about that, so don't quote me. But, um, yeah. But right now it's just all Vegas. I mean, Mark Stone, is like I said, he's been one of the epitomes of leadership. He's done a great job with that group. He's sort of steered them in the right direction. And he's also had contributions from uh, Smith from uh, Smith and Carlson. They've done what they needed to do. And as you touched on, Peyton, Flower is playing out of his mind. I can honestly say this is the best goaltender I've ever seen from Mark andre Fleury. And it's pretty weird considering the fact that we watched him, you know, throughout the the prime of his career, quote unquote. Now, maybe, maybe this is his, maybe his prime got extended a couple of years because the way he's playing right now, it makes, it makes me feel like he's in 2009. You know, he's just everything he's, he's snagging everything. He's stopping everything that he has to. He's been having quite the series for him. 
And when you have a team that's, you know, loaded offensively and defensively on top of a great goaltender, it's going to be pretty hard for other teams to beat. Yeah, you got young guys like Chandler Stevenson really stepping up over there in Vegas too. He's been a, he's been a force throughout the season coming into this playoffs too, so that's a big help. Absolutely. Huge depth piece. Yeah, he's been one hell of a find. Yeah, he's been unreal. Um, I don't know. I just don't like who Kirill Kaprizov's playing with. Um, he's playing with Ryan Hartman and Matt Zuccarello right now. I really don't understand why you're not putting him up with Eric Sinek and Greenway. Yeah, they, you know, they need he's to your best, he, He's your best player. Play him with your best players. Well, do you, you know? Trying, or, I mean, I – do you think they're trying to like spread the spread the depth out necessarily? Like, do you think they're trying to just you know they don't want to get top heavy? They want to sort of you know share it with the rest of the lineup. Maybe other guys can get in. Yeah, I think that they're trying to just spread the love out a little bit because their third line right now is Parise, Victor Rask, and Kevin Fiala. So I could definitely see that argument. And um, I mean, their fourth line's good on paper too. It's Nick Benino, Nico Sturm, and Nick Bukestad. I mean, that, that's all third-line quality players right there. You know? Um, I mean, I think they'll be okay. I mean, I said this in the other show that we did earlier, that um, Cam Talbot was shaky last night, but there were a lot of really bizarre board plays. He got really bad bounces where the puck went right to um, Patrick Brown and Riley Smith, and they scored two goals in quick succession. And at that point, it was just over. For, uh, for the Wild. But, um, I mean, as long as Cam Talbot continues to rise to the occasion, I like their chances, you know? Because at some point, we all know this, at some point, Flurry is going to crack. And he's going to revert back to everything that I've, I've said for years, everything that I've thought he was. You know, he'll, he'll always revert back to that form where he struggles in the playoffs and gets in his own head. It's just Minnesota has to hold on enough to get to that point. Yeah, I'm not so sure that happens this round, but it could happen next round for sure. Yeah, definitely. Because I think they'll play Colorado next round. I believe, yeah. They should. Yeah. As long as Colorado still beats St. Louis. And as long as they hold on against Minnesota. Yeah, we're going to get a lot of, like, Stanley Cup finals in the second round, aren't we? Yes. This I'm not gonna lie. These, these playoffs are nice. There's a lot of really well, and good then like the, the league semifinals are nuts. Like if the Pens go on a run, they'll get like either Carolina or Colorado in that league semifinal round, and then they'll have to play like Tampa or somebody in the Stanley Cup. Like without the conferences, it gets I all messed that. up. Yeah. Oh wait, there's yeah, no conference, conference final. There's no, no con- there's no there's no conference. East and West is so it's, it's they got the East, they got the North, they got the West, and they got the the Central. So they they're not like divvied it's up like by March Madness by division. So, so oh. the, the Penguins could play Tampa from the Central in a Stanley Cup final. You could play. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, <laughs> I love it though. The chaos is unreal. The matchup you'll never see again, but at the same time. You gotta love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No better yeah. way for Sidney Crosby to solidify his legacy. And beating Stammer. No better way. All right. So the next, the next one we'll look at since we moved out of the West already, um, we'll say the East for last. So let's either we'll either go to Central or the North. Which one we go? You guys pick. Which one we going to next? Let's go North because we got we got to talk. Gotta okay. Talk. All right. So North. Uh, let's just start with it. Um, Toronto, Montreal. Mont- that was for game one last night. Montreal leads at one nothing. Uh, John Tavares is dead. So R.I.P. Let's, let's talk. <laughs> R.I.P. John. Yeah. He, he really scary hit. Yeah. Really scary hit. I didn't under. I didn't realize until this morning that he caught the knee to the head from Corey Perry on the way down. So that was what caused him to like peer over like that. Um. Because, like, I was I was texting uh, our buddy Colin about it the other night, or, like, last night, and uh, I said to him, I'm like, I don't understand, like, how, like, just basic body contact caused his body to react that way. That's and what, I, that's what I'm saying, like, too. Oh, that makes sense. 
it makes total sense now with the knee in the head, knee to the head. But like, I hated the fact that Nick Felina thought he needed to fight Corey Perry. I said the same thing, Dougie. I said the same thing. I'm like, I, at least he won it. At least he won it. Technically, it's just so the pointless. Thing. Yeah, that was the thing that didn't make sense. It's like, okay, I can understand if like Perry threw his knee out to try and you know yeah. go at Tavares, but. That was, he had no chance of getting out of the way. That was a bang-bang play. He had no chance of getting out yeah. of the way. And Felino just took it as, oh, well, it's Corey Perry. He's done this whole his whole career, so I'm just going to take a run. So I'm just going to force him to fight it. I mean, look, props to Perry for, you know, just saying, you know what, there's no sense playing this or kicking this can down the road till like, game three or four. Let's just fight now and get it over with. So props to him on that. But, I mean, just, it didn't make sense for Nick Felino to feel like, okay, here, I got to – I don't know if he was just trying to, you know – spark his spark his team or something get something going there but the fight really didn't serve any purpose other than just to say other than just to try and get his teammates going i don't think he was trying to there was there was no way he was trying to like avenge john tavares like that wasn't that wasn't the case i just didn't it didn't make sense for why he did that but whatever it's that it's over and done now you know there's like a direct quote there's like a direct quote from it where Folino said to him he's like I know you did it by accident, but it's our captain. We have to fight. And I'm just like, you know, like this is the exact type of thing we're trying to get away from. Like, no, you, yeah, like you don't have to fight anybody. Yeah. You have to, like, literally, all you have to do is make sure that Paul Byron doesn't score a fucking Superman goal. And you get your revenge. It's not letting Paul Byron, you know, score one from the seat of his pants. That's a pretty easy fix, or at least in both cases. Yeah. Why are we why are we letting Paul Byron look like he's Bobby Orr? You know, <laughs> like that's the big thing, you know, like everybody's going to be on there saying everybody's going to be on TSN today saying that William Nylander isn't tough or some shit. But like, why are we letting Paul Byron score a goal like the like he's Bobby Orr? I mean, Short-handed. he's literally. Yeah, like he's literally not even supposed to be in the lineup like Cole Caulfield is supposed to have that lineup spot. You know, like, I mean, they're holding out three of their best young players so far in Caulfield, Kotkaniemi, and Romanov. And, you know, the storyline is going to be just ridiculous. I just can't – I can't get past it. As much as I want the Maple Leafs to win this series, I don't think they're going to be able to, you know. Because that's such a hard hit to take, um, Tavares going down like that, you know. I mean, it's just it's it's horrific, you know, and it's a shame for him because this was probably the best chance he had to go on a semi deep playoff run in his career, and it got taken away from him just from like a freak accident. Yeah, but like it is. I mean, it pretty much epitomizes his entire career, you know, because he he hasn't had a lot of opportunities, and I feel like every single time. He's about to turn a corner and get screwed over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You awesome. know, and it's just a shame, you know, like on a daily basis, people are talking about how he's not worth his contract. And it's like, he deserves so much better than that. You know, he's one of the greatest guys in the game and he's one hell of a player, you know? So I don't know. Here is my message to the Maple Leafs. Take this for what it's worth, obviously. Losing in the first round is not acceptable. I don't care if the Canadians have Carey Price in net. I don't care that John Tavares is out with injury. That toxic cult that you call a fan base has been gassing up this roster from day one of this year. If you can't make it out of the first round, don't bother trading away pieces or signing free agents and blowing it up in the offseason. Just take the whole franchise on a trip to Niagara Falls and throw them off the edge. Because at that uh, yeah. You really have nothing else to. You really have nothing else to prove to us. I mean, seriously, mm-hmm. you are being gift wrapped a series win here. This Montreal team is not that good. I don't care what people tell me. I don't care what the analysts say. They're not that good. They are literally sitting two or three of their up and coming youth that have been impactful in their time for players that are subpar, and they're still fine. And they still are behind in the series. This Toronto, do not blow this. Do not find a way to lose this one because if you do man oh man someone check on Steve angle if that happens 
And they're like consciously making that decision to sit their players. Like, why? Exactly. There's. It's not even like, oh well, uh, he, he he tweaked his knee or something, so we don't want to hurt him for the long term. No, they're literally healthy scratch. Healthy scratch. Them. They could play tonight. They could. Play, they could have played last night if they wanted to, but they decided to sit them. Don't be those. Don't do not let this one get away, Toronto. This isn't. You, you can't use the Boston excuse. You can't blame Nazem Kadri for trying to kill somebody this year. You can't blame Freddie Anderson for coming up short. At least not yet you can't. So, I mean, do not blow this opportunity because we're not going to forgive you if you do. That's all I'm going to say. Yep. Yeah. Uh, one more thing about Toronto. You don't see them sitting Rasmus Sandin for Ben Hutton because Rasmus Sandin's allegedly inexperienced. You don't see that shit. I mean, for God's sakes, Alex Galchenyuk's playing on their second line. They're the most they're they are the most forward thinking organization in hockey and they need to figure this out. You know, the truth is their GM Kyle Dubas is magnificent at his job, but the team needs to come through so he's finally able to get his due. Because just like we see William Nylander slander every single day, we see people going after Dubas too. Yep. It's the old guard, honestly. So that's all, that's all it is. It's just the old, yeah. I mean, uh, old cronies. I mean, it all, it all goes back. It all it all goes back to the Tom Wilson rant that I had, where it's like, why should I give a shit about what Jeff O'Neill thinks? Exactly. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah. At the very least, win it for Jumbo Joe. <laughs> At the very least. I mean, exactly, dude. Exactly, dude. Uh, that's the guy who's get who's <laughs> his career. You know, could like easily a Hall of Fame caliber player who just doesn't get appreciated for the things that he's done during his career. Do it for him at least. And one more thing I want to throw in there. I always think of myself as a decent athlete. And then I watch the play and then I watch any type of playoffs and I see that there's an athlete who's younger than me playing on a professional sports team. And I get reminded just how uh, just how low on the totem pole I really am. <laughs> it's just something I like I just look, you mentioned Sandine, Dougie, and I was looking at the the kid from Colorado that you mentioned. What's his name again? Uh, New Hook. Yeah, new hook. Yeah, I saw he was 20. I'm like, oh, my goodness. There are kids younger than me that are playing professional sports. It's just mind-boggling to think of. But, yeah, I just, I just want Shit. to Look, John Marino is, like, the same age as, like, all of us. And he's playing top four minutes, shutting down the Islanders. Like, it's craziness. It's something. The, um, the other series to wrap up the North is Winnipeg and Edmonton. Not a whole lot to touch on here. We'll touch on a little bit of it. Uh, Winnipeg leads one nothing. So uh, anything we want to say on this series before we move to the next side? You know, I'm also going to say this too, kind of like what Scotty said about the um, Maple Leaves. Oilers got to do something. They got to make a move. They got they got to make some. Noise. If they don't make noise against Winnipeg, that's tough because you know they they dead as have a generational talent on that team. But the problem is, is that they don't have the depth to support him. And they're just, they just always rely on him. And you can't do that. I don't care how good he is. You can't do that. So, I mean, I, and they, they got, I mean, they lost 4 1 last night. That doesn't look promising. But the seven game series, maybe they can turn around, but they got to make some noise. That's all I'm going to say. I agree with you on that fact, Peyton. And like you kind of said, I think this is different from Toronto in the sense that if Toronto underachieve, it's because they have too deep of, if Toronto underachieves, it's because they have too deep of a roster. If the Oilers underachieve, it's because they don't have enough of a roster. <laughs> you are literally banking on, on uh, the Lord and savior, along with Leon Dreisaitl, Tyson Berry, and maybe a little bit of Pooley RV and the Nuge. Other than that, who else does that team have? The Nuge. Exactly. I'm not going to – I mean, you're, you can't rely on – I mean, you can't have guys – you need to have more guys step up. And, unfortunately, they just don't have those pieces. The real deal James Neal is not going to step up for you. The no. real deal James Neal is done for. He's Tom dead. Cahoon's not stepping up for you. Kayla Yamamoto is not going to – I mean, those guys have to find something. I don't know if they don't – I don't know if they have the roster to get it done right now. Whereas you look at Winnipeg, they at least have some players who can handle handle their business. At least they have more than two. You know, they have Kyle Connor, they have Blake Wheeler, they still have Shifley, 
They have uh, Pullman. He had a good game last night. And mm-hmm. they have guys that are out with injury, too. Ehlers is out. And there's another guy that I'm, I think is out. Dubois. For yeah, Dubois. Dubois. Yeah. Pierre Dubois is out with, out with injury. So they're missing pieces. And they're still able to do what they need to do because they are not – I won't call them a deep team necessarily, but compared to Edmonton, they're deeper, I guess. And so far, that's what it's going to come down to. And obviously, the goaltending helps out as well. Hellebuck had a great game last night because the Oilers did control the pace of the game offensively. They outshot the uh, the Jets, but Hellebuck stood tall when he needed to. And, uh, yeah, a lot has to change in order for Edmonton to make it out of this second round. I think they can pull it off they need to, but – they're obviously going to need Connor McDavid to do more than what he did last night. That's for sure. Well, I'll tell you what. I could log on to Twitter right now, and you know who would you know who you know who would be the alleged savior of the Edmonton Oilers? Chris Russell. Mm. Chris Russell would <laughs> save the Oilers, according to several people. Okay. <laughs> Like, I just don't understand it. That's another, like, hockey market that is just absolutely atrocious. Like, they, they have people going to bat for fucking Chris Russell on a daily basis. And, like, going to bat for, like, James Neal. It's like, okay, cool. But, like, you guys literally got rid of – the truth is, when they drafted Connor, they had the roster to be a legitimate cup contender. But they blew it up. <laughs> I mean, they still had Hall and Everly whenever they drafted Connor McDavid. And they blew it up in atrocious one-for-one deals. Gotta love Shirelli. These are the same you gotta remember, Dougie, these are the same people that think that Kevin Lowe was a Hall of Fame defenseman. I mean, they they, they really do. And they, they hold the same thing with uh, with Chris Russell. They think that he's gonna be the difference maker, which just is not the case. Yeah, I'm just it's like I said, Edmonton needs more depth because you cannot rely on those on on mcdavid and dry being your two guys so something's got to change there yeah i don't know if they they might have enough to push through if they can get those two guys to step up and perform but jury's still out right now mm-hmm. All right, let's jump over to the central um let's talk the first one before we get into the really really exciting one here uh let's do carolina and nashville first carolina leads at two nothing they've been dominant so far um, let's touch on this one real quick and then we'll get to the super, super exciting one of the central. All I'm going to say is they need to sweep the fucking leg. That's all they need. <laughs> take, pre- take Nashville out of there. Um, I'm not happy with Nashville because they knocked my Blackhawks out of the playoffs. Um, I don't like Nashville anyway. Um, yeah, sweep the leg. That's all. You're, you're sad about the Blackhawks being out of the playoffs. I'm yeah. sad that we didn't get Dallas Stars magic again. No. <laughs> needed needed more Dallas Stars, man. Got a fever, and the only prescription is more Dallas Stars pressure. No, but for real, um, Alex Njelkic, unreal. Love the guy. Love him to death. Him doing that post-game interview the other night with the entire crowd chanting Ned, I was like ready to run through a wall. I was like, oh, my God, this is fantastic. But Carolina's team's unreal, man. Like, you know. Big guy that, like, nobody's talking about on their blue line. I know that Pesci's been having a great series and stuff, but, like, Jake Bean. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a nice little weapon to have on your back end, you know, because the, that's the nice thing about having a deep team. And, I mean, it's going to be the same thing with the Avs when they get healthy and Bo and Byram comes back. It's like you have a top power play quarterback playing on your third pairing. It's like – it's like where the Penguins were at with Crystal Tang in 08 or not. Like they didn't, they didn't really need like they didn't need him, but like he was good enough that like he had to play, you know? Because like I mean, I mean they were that defense was loaded, man. I mean, I know it was a lot of old time hockey guys, but like shit, that that defensive squad in 08 09 was a unit. Like you said, Dougie. Uh... Nadelkovic, I hope I pronounced that right, or Nadelchevich. I'm trying my best here. Um, that was always the big. That was always the biggest knock on Carolina. It was always, yeah, they have those couple guys, but you know the goaltending's always in the question mark. You know there were years where they were trying to roll with uh, Mrazek and Reimer, and it just wasn't working. Well, now they have this kid come in, 
and he's all but shut the door. You know, he's got the 964 save percentage so far through the first two games. He's handled his business, and it seems like the rest of Carolina is clicking. You know, as, as you touched on with Pesci, he's been pretty good for them early on. Same with Ajo and Sveshnikov. And, of course, you can't forget about the playoff performer, Jordan Stahl. He's done a great job with that group as well. So, yeah, it's going to be an uphill climb here for Nashville because their guys aren't really coming to, the, to their aid right now either. You know, UC Soros is not going to be able to steal you this series. It's just not going to happen. You have those guys in Philip Forsberg and Eric Howla and Duchesne. You need them to be bigger, and you need the rest of the team to kind of find their way too because there are a lot of guys that aren't, uh, you know, performing as advertised. You know, Victor Arvidsson hasn't really been stepping up. Neither has Roman Yossi. He was the leading scorer on the team that year. So on this year, I mean. So, yeah, those guys aren't really doing what they need to do. You know, their core isn't stepping up the way they need to, and I think that's going to be the big X factor there for Nashville. If they can get their main guys to do what they need to do, then we have a series. If not, I think it's going to be a pretty quick one here for Carolina. I will say, though, right before the playoffs started, Nashville did go on a little hot streak, and that's how they even – that's how they got in the playoffs to begin with. And now that they're in here, Carolina is just shutting them down, and they don't have any answers. Soros has been just uh, – Swiss cheese. Um, the defense has not been good. You know, like you said, Yossi and all those people, they're not, you know, they're not stepping up at all. And, um, Caroline is just shutting them down defensively and offensively. So I'll finish how I started sweep the fucking leg. And then the other series we want to touch on, of course, talk about in the central is the one that's finally turned into a rivalry that we all now love the rivalry between. Tampa and Florida. Tampa now leads it two to one. We thought it was going to be a three zero last night. Florida came back, won it in overtime, um, tied it up right before it went to overtime. So here we are now at two one instead of what could have been a three zero. Um, let's discuss this one because obviously I think most of us want to see a Florida come out of this, but Tampa's looking strong. I really do want Florida to come out of this. You know they didn't do. I said this before, like they didn't do all that work in the regular season just to lose in the first round, like super easy. Um, I do whole, I do wholeheartedly believe this is going to be a very good series. I think this might genuinely be a seven game series. And um, I don't know who's going to win it because honestly it can go either way, but um, it's going to be a fight. You know, you got, the defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning, who are still very good, even though they're lower seeding than uh, Florida. And then you know you got the Panthers. You know they got all these you know, Barkov, Huberto, Duclair. Um, you know I really want to see Spencer Knight, but that's not going to happen. Uh, and Ekblad has been really good this season, and I mean I think they could do it. They have the pieces for it, but uh, I guess we'll see. Yeah, definitely one thing to note with uh, Tampa Bay. It's uh, pretty convenient. You know, it's good for them that, you know, they already had a good team heading into the playoffs, and then you get two guys returning from injury and Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov. That makes life pretty good. Yeah, and all of a sudden Nikita Kucherov just comes back. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's, one, of those, it's one of those cases where don't hate the player, hate the game. Yeah, NHL has a flawed, they have a flawed setup. You can't get mad at Tampa Bay for you know sort of bending it to their will. At the end of the day, the NHL, they they set they put themselves in this in this situation. So I'm not going to get mad at Tampa Bay for doing that. They do what any good GM would do. They're finding their way. They're finding their way to make it work. So so kudos to those guys. But yeah, um, like I said, like we like you kind of touched on Peyton. The Panthers do have those guys that can be that can step up for them when they need to. The big question mark right now for them, obviously, is goaltending. Mm-hmm. One day, Bobrovsky looks shaky and Drieger's money. Next game, Drieger looks shaky and Bobrovsky looks better. So, I mean, you don't really have a clear-cut number one. It's like I said earlier, you know, you got at, at this point, Coach Q's got to have the, the coin in his pocket and he'll flip for he'll flip to decide which one's going to be the starting goalie because at this point, you really can't decide who's your clear-cut guy. So, I mean, it could go either way, on all honesty. Um, another good move that they did, I think, and it kind of hurts to say this because he's such a good – he is a good player, but – Scratching Keith Yandel was a good move. You know, whenever Yandel was, you know, in those first two games, Yandel was doing decent, but he had a couple turnovers that ended up costing their team goals. And 
you put you scratched him you put you brought back Sam Bennett when he came back from suspension and the team was more sound defensively so Sam Bennett yeah what an addition he's been so I feel like they're going to roll with that now I think they should at least because Tampa Bay's not a team to sleep on you know we've Mm -hmm. they've been a slept on team definitely last year and sort of into this year too I'm not going to rule them out because they've obviously proven that they still have all their main guys and of course they still have those depth pieces like Blake Coleman and Yanni Gore to step up for him too. So, and they also have Vasilevsky in between the pipes as well, who hasn't looked as great, I'll say, in this uh, in this playoffs. But still, you know what he's capable of doing. So it's not not a guy to sleep on. I honestly don't think you can have a clear cut winner as of right now. It seemed like heading into the third period of last night's game that Tampa was going to end this exciting series pretty early. But now, I think it could go either way. We could have a we could have a slugfest till the end here. And honestly, I hope we do because this is what Gary Bettman dreamed of having. This is, this is what Gary Bettman always thought this rivalry would be like when he decided to reload, when he decided to expand down into Florida. He was hoping that they would get a team, these two teams to really start butting heads. And it took him almost three decades to do it, but now we have this entertaining hockey, and that's all you could ask for. Definitely. All right, let's um, go ahead and move ahead to the, to the rest of it, then the East is up next. We'll save the Penguins for the last one here. So let's talk Boston and Washington. Two to one series. They're tearing each other apart limb from limb, and every game has gone to overtime. If you're not, a, if you're a fan of hockey, this is the series you live to, you live to watch. So let's let's discuss it real quick. Oh boy! If, well, you're, a, if you're a Pens fan, you want to see both of these teams be absolutely shredded when you go when you, if you play in next round. Doug, I think you're killing um, each other, man. You're gonna agree, but um, fuck Tom Wilson. Just uh, always fuck we've, Tom. Wilson. We've been over that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just gonna put the put always. that out there. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know who has the edge in this series. Like you said, like every game has gone to overtime, and they're just killing each other. Like there's no other way to describe it. Um. I want Washington to come out of it because we were talking, Doug and I were talking and, and like they would probably be the better option for Pittsburgh to play. If they, if Pittsburgh did go into the next round, play. I mean, Boston's looking nice. You know, they, I hate to say that, but they were doing, they've been doing good throughout the season. And, uh, you know, they get the lot, they get the contribution from uh, pasta Marchand, and Bergeron. And that's just uh the Holy Grail line for uh, Boston because that's the only line that produces. <laughs> and then, <and>, yeah. <laughs> Definitely have to give credit to some of the lower guys on the, uh, on the poll too there. Craig Smith and Jake, I mean, Jake, first off, Jake DeBrusque, first and foremost, didn't have the best regular season per se, has really stepped up in these first three games for, Bo- for Boston. Same goes for Craig Smith. Obviously you have the OT winner in, uh, in game number three, but also he's, his play has been pretty good here for the most part. Part. And, you know, we got to touch on Taylor Hall. I mean, what a what a resurgence he's had since he's joined Boston. He's really enjoying his time there. And like I said before, the problem with uh, with Washington right now is not anything they got doing offensively because the offense is there. You know, TJ Oshie and Ovechkin have been doing their thing. Even Garnett Hathaway has been stepping up big for those guys. So that's huge seeing a depth piece like that come up big. Same goes for Nick Dowd. But um, the question is going to be in, in between the pipes, you know, as we touched on. Vitek Vancek went down in game one. You had Craig Anderson come in. Now he played game one and two. Now you had uh, Samsonov start last uh, last game, game three. He, apparently he's going to be in the in the uh, in goal again for game four. So we'll see how he responds to that, uh, to the mistake he made in game three. And uh, that's gonna that's gonna be the X factor because obviously Boston is not going to have any doesn't have any goaltending issues right now with Tuka Rask. He's been holding it down. So that's going to be the X factor I think for the Capitals is can that goaltending be enough? to keep them in the series. Samsonov had a good game three, despite double OT. I think he can do the same again in game four. Yeah. Honestly though, like I think the name of the game is just keep killing each other, you know, keep playing brutal, brutal hockey. Um, you know, hopefully that every single game goes to overtime. And uh, yeah, I mean, they've been, this series has been unreal to watch just from like a hockey fan perspective. But, you know, like I said earlier, um, 
on our last show. In the back of my mind, I'm hoping for Washington, but I'll take whoever whoever the Pens got to play if they move on. You know, but uh, Washington would be fun just because like there's so many little storylines beyond like Ovi and Crosby, and then like obviously Tom Wilson, but like you, know, you have Connor Sherry, Justin Schultz, and of course the Golden Special Boy Daniel Sprong, thinking he is somebody. You know, like listen, buddy, maybe you would have had a better opportunity if you didn't, you know act like an entitled piece of shit to the point that you had to fucking Uber all over the place your rookie year because your teammates hated you. You know? Just maybe. I mean, like, let's be honest. Like, one of the best games of Sid's career came playing on a line with Dominic Simone and Daniel Sprong. He had, like, five points one night. He had a goal and four assists. Like, you know, what more could you want? But, I mean... It's just a shame that Sprong didn't work out here because he looks good in Washington. I mean, he somehow magically learned how to play defense a little bit. So, I don't know. It's crazy. Um, And then the uh, last series we'll talk about, of course, is the Pittsburgh Penguins. And this this has been a good series. Last night's game was like an instant classic. Pittsburgh leads it 2-1 to over the Islanders right now, and it's been a fight, though. Um, so let's get into this one. I know we want to talk about this one as the hometown team. So let's go for it. All right. I'm just saying it now. You I go, would Doug. die for Brandon Tanev. I would die for Brandon Tanev. I would die for that man. Holy shit. I'd also probably die for his line mates at this point too, because that Bluger line has been insane. Um, absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, the freaking, I mean, they're just shutting Matthew Barzell down. And the big thing is, is they're getting offensive zone possession time. And that's something that in past seasons, we've never discussed, you know, like that's one of the biggest storylines outside of, uh, Brian Dumoulin magically becoming a two-way defenseman who's capable of racking the puck up in the offensive zone, letting Latang kind of just chill. You know, but I mean, timely goal from Brandon Tanov. Love the guy. You know, they did really good. You know, they stuck with Mike Sullivan's mantra of just play. You know, they might have melted down a little bit in the third period, but I can't blame Tristan Jari whenever the goalies are just running you right and left, man. You know, like, or whenever, like, he's getting ran right and left by people who are just. I mean, senseless excuses of hockey players, you know, because like it's not like it's not like it's Pajot or Nelson running him. Like you have Cal Clutterbuck, Matt Martin, and Leo Komarov, legitimately trying to kill Tristan Jari, and he's done really good. He's kept his composure. Loved to see that he was shit talking Matt Martin last night, but you know. I mean, they're going to be okay. The big thing is, is they should be up 3-0 right now. But there's also the case that um, he could be – they the Pens could be down 3-0, you know? Like, Sid making those two stick saves um, in games two and three, you could arguably say that that won them the game. I mean, it definitely won them the game last night because Jari was dead to rights with uh, that Nelson one T. And, you know, Sid just, I mean, I'll be honest with you guys. I think he's the greatest player of all time. Like, yeah, he may not have the points. He may not have the goals, but he's playing at an elite level night in and night out while still being one of the most defensively responsible players on the ice at all times. And, you know, you take into account how good goaltending has been in Sid's era. Whereas, you know, you had Gretzky playing against guys that were pulled out of like a Harbor Freight Tools store to go play goalie. You know, I mean, they've been unreal. I mean, 
I haven't felt this good about a team in such a long time. You know, I mean, I didn't even feel good at 17. They just kept doing the damn thing and they somehow won the Stanley Cup, you know. But like, I haven't felt this good about a team since 2016, you know. Tristan Jari's coming into his own. You know, there's times where he doesn't have it and there's times where you can tell he really does. It's just he has to put it all together. And if he puts it all together at some point in this next couple of games, they're going to be just fine. I'm very excited about this team. They've looked incredible. And the big thing is they haven't rolled over and died. The old Penguins teams of, you know, last year, two years ago and three years ago would have rolled over and died after the Cal Clutterbuck goal when John Marino had to leave the ice for some reason over a role that clearly does not have enough clarity on it. So, I mean, honestly, I couldn't be more excited about this team. Go ahead, guys. Um, yeah, just kind of building on what you said about Marino there with that, with that rule. I don't get how you guys can, how they can have left players absolutely slug each other out the entire time, you know, like, like kind of like the scrap that we had in the third period last night. Uh, that's totally okay. But as soon as somebody loses his helmet in the middle of action, now you have to go off the ice. You're done. That just doesn't make any sense to me. But anyways, um, yeah, this is one of the best, most confident ways I feel about this Penguin team. I mean, look at the guys who are stepping up. Jeff Carter continues to make me eat my words, saying that the Penguins weren't a, tra a, a trade acquisition depth piece away from making it to a cup. He's proven that he they may they just might be. Look at the way he's played in the first three games. Guy's been money. Chris Letang has silenced all the haters with the way he's played in the first three games. I mean, my goodness, that guy has been great both on both sides of the ice. The knock on him was always that all oh, he you know he's. He focuses on offense. He, he leaves his guys out to drop defensively. That has not been the case this series. Latan has been good. And another guy that, you know, we're not really talking about, Freddie Goudreau. What an addition he's been. Yes. I mean, if there's one signing Jim Rutherford may have gotten right recently, that might be the one. I mean, talk about how great of a guy he has been for this team. And in all honesty, like you talked about, we got to talk about the fourth line. They, they've done everything that they've asked them to do. Anytime they're on the ice, you're paying, you're paying attention because you don't know what could happen. They might get a goal. They might run somebody over. They might make a nice defensive play. You don't know what's going to happen, but every time they're on the ice, something impactful is going on. And that's what signifies how great you know, that those three have been. You, know, you hate to see those guys get broken up. That's what sucks about having an expansion draft in the summer here is that we're going to be – the potential of losing one of those guys is, you know, pretty high just by the way they're playing. And in all honesty, it's good that they've been playing that way because look at how, I mean, if we're just looking at the first line with Russ Crosby and Gensel, each of those guys only have one point so far. So, I mean, they're not doing anything spectacular offensively per se, but they don't need to because the rest of the team is stepping up. And I think that's the biggest key for them. Same thing with Tristan Jari. I mean, you touched on it, Dougie. Tristan Jari has been, Really fine in his game. Obviously, game one was like, oh, boy, please don't tell me we're going to go through this again. And it isn't. He came back just the way we expect him to. Had a great performance in game two and held his own last night in game three. So I've been impressed with him. The one question I want to pose to you guys with is this. So Simeon Varlamov came back into the lineup in game two. And since then, he has a 903 save percentage. And two losses. Ilya Sorokin played one game, has a 929 save and has a 929 save percent and got the wins. So if you're Barry Trotz, are you looking at the goaltending situation right now and thinking, okay, Pittsburgh's absolutely dominating Varlamov. They kind of struggled a little bit against Sorokin. You consider going back to Sorokin in game four, or are you sticking with Varlamov? I'm going with Sorokin all day. Yeah, 100% go with Sorokin. And I'll even go farther. I think that we'll see Anthony Beauvillier playing with Matthew Barzell. Mm -hmm. I agree. Because, I mean, like you said earlier, Doug, Barzell, before last night, didn't have any points going into game three. He picked up two last night, to my knowledge. So they've been able to keep him off the score sheet. He has not been 
nearly as effective. I mean, you see how the guy skates. You think at some point, okay, he's going to just cut through somebody and make something happen, and he hasn't. The Penguins have had his number until this point, so we'll see if that changes at all. But, yeah, right now the Penguins are doing all the right things, and they're going to need to do it again tomorrow afternoon as well. It's it's also incredible to me that the defensive pairing that's getting deployed the most against that line is Matheson and CeCe. If you would have told me in, say, October that Mike Matheson and Cody Cece would be shutting down Matthew Barzell, I would have told you you were fucking crazy. Never would have believed it. Never. Never, ever. You know, like, I mean, that's arguably their best defensive pairing. Like, it's honestly incredible. It's just a hodgepodge of just, like, I mean, meme, meme type players, like guys who have been their entire careers have just been memed. And they just, they found it. They figured it out. I love it. It's fantastic. You know, also just want to say, uh, Brandon Tanev is having a really nice postseason because his 5v5 expected goal share is 69.8%. We love to see it. We absolutely love to see it. You know, I mean, we're just really, honestly, they're firing on all cylinders right now. You know, it is um, just unbelievable where we're at compared to where we've been. You know, I mean, God, the fact that we have to pay like a fourth liner salary each year to have Jack Johnson stay away from this hockey team sucks, but like, Seeing where we're at right now, Completely worth we're it. riding high, baby. We're riding high. You know, I mean, Jesus. Uh, my buddy, my our buddy Steve just sent me a video of the uh, night the Pens got swept by the Islanders. And it's a video of me very heavily intoxicated, um, relieving myself of some things on their front lawn. And he sent me that video. He's like, this is a reminder that shit's different now. Yeah. You know, like I, I shit is video. different now. He said, I yeah, I know. He said, he's like, we're never going to see this again because Jack Johnson and Erica Branson can never hurt you. And they're not dude, real. it's just like, it's fantastic. <laughs> they're not real. They're not they real. They, they don't can't exist. hurt you. They don't exist. I don't. I don't even know where Eric Branson plays now. Ottawa. To be honest with you. Oh, now, yeah. They, I think yeah, he got traded somewhere. Nashville at the deadline. He's, he's Is it Nashville? Yeah, he got traded at the deadline. So he's getting his tail. In playoff hockey. Yeah, so playoff hockey still. Lucky him. Damn. Well, yeah, building on what Martin you Martin Nietzsche is like, go for it, Scotty. Building what you were saying there, Dougie. Like, there would be times in the past two years where you'd see a guy step onto the ice and you just think, oh, no. Like you'd see Jack, like you'd see a Jack Johnson, an Erica Branson, a Justin Schultz, a Patrick Marlowe. You'd see someone hop on the ice there, and you're like, "Oh, great! What's gonna happen now?" I don't feel that way about anyone out there. You know, maybe the only guy I felt that way about was Evan, Rodriguez, and even then, he still he still had a point. He still has at least one point so far. So there's not a, there's not a time where I'm like, "Okay, just please don't mess yeah. this up." Now I'm looking at like. Anything can ha- anything positive can happen on this shift now because there's because I don't feel any lack of confidence with anyone on this team. And I think that's one of the greatest signs of how well this team is playing. And obviously we still have a long ways to go before things are all said and done. So, you know, anything can change. But right now, this team is doing everything it needs to do. They're doing the damn thing. And that's I, important. sorry. I feel like we haven't talked about someone who has been very surprising for the Penguins. Jeff Carter. Yeah. Jeff Carter. Jeff Carter is the man. He is back. He, I think I saw like he scored like, he scored like 10 goals now since he's been with us or something like that. And that's just, that makes me so happy. I I just watched. I didn't get to watch the game, but I watched uh, his goal, and 
That was a snipe right there. That was that was the Jeff Carter we all love. And I I cannot wait to see. The knock on Carter whenever we got him was that, okay, see maybe he's, has he lost a step? Is he not as good as he was before? He is 36 after all. The, the move, the, honestly, the acquisition that was made by Hextall, it reminded me of when the Penguins got Billy Guerin. You know, when we got Bill Guerin yep. from the Islanders, it was for a conditional pick or something like that. And he stepped in right away and was already, you know, right from the get-go. That's the way Jeff Carter's been. Jeff Carter has – showed up right away and has lived up to advertisement. I mean, what a guy he's been. I think he has more goals with the Penguins now than he did with the Canes. So Yeah, that's, that, that's surprising. That's what makes me happy. <laughs> great to see, too. And then, and to boot, we have him next year, too, also. So imagine that. Just we're going to have Carter again next year. You know, just regardless of what happens now in this postseason, I mean, next season's a little something to look forward to also now because we're, we're going to have – relatively most of your team coming back, regardless of what happens this year. So, yeah, Jeff Carter has definitely been clicking on all cylinders, and we hope that that continues into the playoff, deep into the playoffs because they're going to need him, obviously. That center depth that the Penguins have right now, it can challenge any team in the league, and I say that confidently. You know, obviously Tampa's got their guys, but Pittsburgh's not a team you can sleep on. When your centers are Crosby, Malkin, Carter, and Bluger, scary hours. I mean, I said it last night on a podcast that I was on. Um, they basically have two number one centers and two number three centers, you know. And, I mean, their third line should be a second line on an average NHL team. I mean, they've been loaded. But that um, that Jeff Carter power play goal, man, that made me feel things that I haven't felt in a while. Like, it was, you know, it was a time in the game where things, everything was going to hell and it was just the ultimate fuck you goal. Like it was the, it was the fucking dagger. Like they just, you know, he just went, sniped it and was like, all right, we got this. We just got to go on autopilot and see what happens here. You know, because, and that's the nice thing that Jeff Carter brings to this team. He has that swagger. He has that edge. It's something that I haven't seen out of a player probably since Phil Kessel, you know, like Phil did it in his own little way, but like, there's just something about Carter. He's just so cerebral and he, you know, he's just great veteran. I mean, we all, we all said in the, uh, at the time of the trade, like we hope that he's like Matt Cullen, but he's better than Matt Cullen. And I was absolutely right. Whenever I said late in games, he's going to go out there with Sid's line and just, close out the game and shut it down. Cause like last night they threw him out there with Sid and Rusty just in case Sid got kicked out of a draw. And it was a beautiful sight to be seen. And going back to that power play goal that he scored, I, I mean, talk about him getting Malkin, having that confidence. In him. You know, Malkin has been sitting, has set out the last what, 25 games. And he's like, you think he's chilling ready to clap this one by Semyon Varlamov. He just dishes it off to Carter real quick. Talk about the confidence yeah. that in that guy. I mean, this team is really clicking on all cylinders. They really are. That was the first time Malkin and Carter have played together. And Gino's so quick to give him the puck because he knows, hey, this guy can score whenever – this guy can score at will if he really wants to. He has that potential mm-hmm. to do it. And that's that speaks volumes to this team. It really does. Yeah. The wild thing about that power play was – they had to run a completely different set because of the guys that were in the box at the time. But whenever they lined up for that face off and I saw Sid lined up at his old right half loss spot that he was on during the 08 and 09 runs, I looked at my dad and I was like, they're going to score here. It's just a matter of how they do it. Because I think, I think Sid's deadly from that right half wall. I think he needs to be in that bumper spot and they just let him go. But you know, obviously that would be sacrificing his numbers because whenever you're in that bumper spot, you're looking for the pass, not for the shot. But that was great situational coaching by Todd Reardon just to throw a random hodgepodge of guys out on the ice and just get it done because Gensel was still in the box. I think Rust was still in the box. Like they just, they were able to get it done at, at will and at complete random at a moment's notice. 
Yeah, that's all very very good points on everything. Um, anybody else? Any other last points before we wrap up wrap up this episode? No. Okay. Yep. Good. All right. Well, like I said, we uh. Thanks for tuning in. As always, Peyton, thanks for joining us and being on the show with us. Appreciate it. Um, we got more episodes, of course, episode a week. So we'll have another episode for you guys next week with another special guest. Um, so stay tuned for that. But for now, thank you for joining us on behalf of myself, Doug, Scotty, and Peyton. Thanks for watching. And uh, we'll see you next week on Four Chicken TV.